Coders, good afternoon. It is episode 94, I believe. Episode 94. Oh my word. Uh, happy coding, everybody. I hope everybody's having a good week. Um, episode 94. It is Thursday, the 25th of March. Today's topic is all about, uh, PHP tools. I wanted to talk about code pipelines, because I've been doing a lot of code pipelines recently, especially with the how to code well stuff. Um, I've decided to talk, uh, I've, I'm sorry, I've decided to use GitHub Actions over things like CircleCI um, and Travis and other things like that. We'll probably talk about that later, sort of like in another episode, but my mind is on the tooling in that pipeline. Um, and the tooling that I use hasn't changed depending on the pipelines, right? And this, uh, these tools, and I was thinking, like, you know, it's not just a pipeline. You could just run these tools. So then I thought, well, surely these tools should be ran by any PHP developer. So that's kind of where my head was at. So these are five tools that every PHP developer, in my opinion, should know. And, um, yeah. As usual, this is a live stream, totally live. If you've got any questions, then please do uh, put them down in the chat and I'll ask, I'll answer them. <laughs> you do the answer, asking, asking, I do the answering um, <laughs> throughout the show. And as uh, a tradition that I want to continue on from last week. Cheers. <laughs> Thursday evenings is an evening in which I get to drink beer. I'm on a health kick at the moment. I'm trying to lose my COVID weight. Um, I've put on about two stone since COVID, since last March. So two stone in a year isn't great. Um, so I'm trying to reduce the amount of sweet things I eat during, during the day um, and and, you know, all the carbs and stuff. So I've, I've tried to say that I only drink on a Thursdays and a Fridays and a Saturdays, uh, and a Saturday. And also I will only have like a sweet thing at the end of the day rather than snacking throughout the day. It's so easy, especially when you're working from home to just go downstairs and just get some biscuits. <laughs> so, so easy. So anyway, that's why I drink beer on this on the Thursday. That's why I, ah, oh, beer on a Thursday. Awesome. <laughs> Um, before we get into these five tools that every PHP uh, dev should know, um, I just want to do a little quick uh, uh, sort of recap on how How to Code Well has been over this past week. Unfortunately, I haven't really had a, a great opportunity to work on it because I've just been so busy with other other, other things um, in the evenings. Um, it's getting lighter, so we, we're doing more gardening in the evenings rather than uh, coding. And also, um, I have, I, I've unfortunately, uh, the stuff I did on Tuesday on the live stream on Tuesday morning at 7am uh, on Twitch, I ended up having to just uh, redo and rewrite that evening uh, from scratch. So we did lose a bit of time there. I was trying to do too many too much uh, refactoring in terms of the, um, I totally forget what it was, it's the course enrollments and the GitHub um, integration. So I've ended up rebuilding that. So I feel like I haven't really made any kind of uh, progression 
um, in, in, in the project, unfortunately. But, um, anyway, that's, so that's a sort of a quick recap of, uh, what's going on with HTCW. I did mention that, um, we have Git, a GitHub, um, pipeline, GitHub actions pipeline. This also pushes a, uh, a, a Docker image to the Docker hub, a private Docker hub, Docker, uh, Docker registry. Um, and then, <laughs> through through the magic of Terraform and Ansible, um, we pull that down. We create two, uh, two VPSs, and we pull the image down and build the site. And the other VPS is the database. So that's kind of where we're at the moment. Um, it's it's not where I want to be. Um, I would have liked to have replaced the beta site by now, but I just haven't been able to to get to it. <coughs> Excuse me, I just haven't been able to get to it. So um, there. Anyway, moving away from uh, HTCW, let's get into the meat and potatoes of uh, of this talk. Oh, by the way, did anyone re- did anyone um, see the news about uh, Microsoft um, potentially acquiring Discord? That's an interesting one to uh, keep keep an eye on. <laughs> what are Microsoft up to? You know, I just see that as a as a sort of a this is live. This is live, Bernard. <laughs> Hello. I hope you're well. This is totally live. Um, so yeah, I wonder what they're up to. I wonder why they, uh, why they want to take on Discord. It's interesting. Microsoft have, um, taken GitHub. Well, I say taken it. I sound like I've, they've stolen it. No, they've acquired GitHub, um, LinkedIn and now potentially Discord. Uh, I haven't actually read any of the news today, so it may have already happened or it might not have happened. I don't know, but, um, it's just interesting that you've got the, the, the messaging, uh, the, the, the messaging stuff. You've got the, um, the code repository stuff and you've also got the social network stuff. Very, very interesting. It's like the triangle of stuff that they've got there and what they're going to be doing with it. So, hmm. I don't know. We have a discord community. If anybody wants to join, go to howtocodewell.net forward slash discord. At the moment, I don't feel too worried that Microsoft is uh, acquiring Discord at this stage, but um, I am interested to see where they put it. Let's just say, ah, hello, hello, everybody. Um, today, we are going to talk about the five tools every PHP developer should have. So these um, these are tools that are great individually. But they're also tools that are fantastic when put together. And when put together, you usually put that together in a pipeline. And, uh, it's part of the continual integration, right? So you're, you're, you're integrating code into uh, a particular branch. You could have a feature branch and you're pushing to staging or production and you want to, um, you want to continually integrate your code, but whilst you're doing so, you want to have a level of checks in place. This is, these tools are those checks. And like I said, you don't have to use, you don't have to have a pipeline. These can be ran manually, individually, individually or all together. And we'll talk about how to do that, um, later in sort of one hit. So let's, uh, let's crack on and, and get through with it. I just noticed that my notes, <laughs> I have like, I've, I've listed them down, but instead of saying one, two, three, four, and five, I've got one, two, two, three, four. <laughs> Lol. I can't count. Okay. So the first one is, it's pretty, uh, a low hanging fruit. The first one, 
Um, oh, okay. Sorry. Let's take it a step back. What is a pipeline? So Bernard's asking, what is a pipeline? Okay. So a pipeline is, um, hmm. <laughs> you, you caught me off the hoof here. Uh, so a pipeline is you put some code into a, a branch and that triggers some action to happen. And that action will pass or fail. And if that passes, then another action will happen. And if that passes, another action will happen. And you end up with a pipeline. And when when we talk about CICD, continual integration and continual um, uh, deployment, what you've got there is you, let's say you start with, I've written some code and I've tested it on my local machine and it's all good. Now I want to move that code that's on my local machine into... I don't know, let's say a staging platform for a QA engineer to have a look. So somehow I need to get my code from my laptop, my development machine off to, off to somewhere else. How do I go about doing that? What is this? What are the stages of that to happen? There's obviously a delivery process, but there's also a process of making sure that my code hasn't had a negative impact on the existing code. So for instance, I could have just spent a whole week working on a single feature, but my my project has several features that I've been working on um, in the past, say, year or six months, but I'm not worried about those at the moment. I'm only worried about my feature. What I want to do is make sure that my code is... Uh, first of all, it's stable, so it actually works, but also it integrates well with... Um, other people's code, the other features. And also when I say integrates, well, I, I mean like um, it, it follows the same conventions, the same style. Um, I'm not doing anything daft compared to other people. You know, I, I'm not making overly complicated code. I'm making nice clean code. Um, off of the back of the pipeline, there could be some artifacts that get built. So for example, we could be um, we could be doing code coverage, so getting some reports back of of test coverage. There could be reports back of performance. There could be reports back of of um, all sorts of of, of different metrics, um, lines of of code, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it's um it's been a yeah. So so a pipeline is essentially a a mechanism of moving your code to somewhere else. And it's going through a series of stages for that to happen. The simplest pipeline is like, um, um, say, say test. So the, the first thing is to test the code or no, no, actually let's take a step back. The first thing would be to check out the code. So you're on a, another box and you're checking the code out and then it's doing all these tests. And then after that, um, so that this is now the second stage of the pipeline. Um, it could be, it could be, um, doing a build. So it may be a Docker image build, and then it's doing a deployment or anything like that, or it could be doing a series of reports. So a pipeline is, yeah, it's essentially a series of steps that, that the code has to go through in order for it to be deemed as production ready or staging ready or, or just ready to be put somewhere else. So that's pretty much it. I hope that, <laughs> I hope that answers. Look at that question. Um, so the, the tools here that we're going to discuss are the tools, um, the tools that you can 
use in the pipeline in order to check your code for the 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 level of stability stableness stableness is that word the you know how good the code is in terms of um, complexity points how good the code is in terms of test coverage that kind of stuff making sure that it's stable and and works with the other toys as well so the first thing the first one is a linter now this this doesn't this might not seem obvious because nowadays with our ides as you know as they are uh, i use php storm you might use vs code um, there usually is a linter already embedded in your IDE. And what a linter does is it checks the code for s- silly mistakes, silly, silly mistakes. So for instance, leaving a semicolon off the end, you know, um, or, uh, you know, uh, bleh, I don't know. It could be, it could be something to do with the style of the code. It could be like your, your variables are too small in terms of the variable names, or it could be that you're, um, you're calling a, a variable that doesn't exist. You know, a linter essentially does the thing in your IDE that, um, does the red squiggle, squiggly line underneath your, um, underneath your uh, variable name or your method name or, or what have you. Um, and IDEs are getting much, much better at this. When I was first learning PHP, we didn't have any of this stuff, um, th- these, these tools. So it was all done by eye, which was annoying. Um, so this is, this is really cool. So you wanted to lint your code. You basically want to make sure that you aren't putting anything stupid into, into the pipeline. And I suppose this should be the number one test, the first test, because you want to be catching things early. You don't want, the thing is, you don't want your pipeline. Some pipelines take, I don't know, um, an hour before the code is actually deployable. Um, you don't want to find at the very last stage that you've, you've, um, got a semicolon in the wrong place or you've called a variable something completely different than it should be. So you want to be making sure that these little checks are right at the start of your pipeline. Um, so linting. So the, f- the second one, which follows on from linting is check style. So this is checking the style of your code against a set of rules. So for instance, if you're a symphony dev, then you might be using the symphony set of code styles. Uh, same with Laravel. They all have slightly different ways of, um, of formatting their code. This is great because if you're working in a team, you know, you might be thinking, well, surely Pete, this is just you being OCD, right? You just want to make sure everything is in place and getting ducks in a row. This is really good when you start working in a team, because when you're in a team, you can, you can decide upon the particular style that you want to follow. And this ensures that no code can actually be committed or merged in until, unless all of those um, define styles, those rules are actually met. Uh, Bernard is asking, uh, will, uh, we'll be able to share a good PHP storm auto completion at the end of the talk, navigating from trait to view usage. Uh, I don't know what you, that question means. So, sorry, Bernard. What does, what, what, I don't, I don't follow. Um, uh, PHP trait to view. So a trait is, um, Obviously, a, another is is a particular PHP uh, thing. It's like multiple inheritance um, for that. So no, I know. Sorry, I don't follow. Moving on to the check style, though, it's code sniffers. This is what this this the the style um, checking 
ness does. <laughs> I'm just making up words now. So you can put in various different sniffs to sniff out um, things in your code, um, which is which is really, 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 really useful. And one tool that actually I haven't put on this list and I will mention is another tool that should be ran right at the start. Um, and that is PHP Beautifier. So it's a check style. It's, it's like the, an, an option on PHP CS. So this beautifies your code, which, which does, which does change your code, right? Based upon the styles that have been defined, which is great because it means that you're not, you know, if you've got an argument, um, if you've got a method, sorry, and in that method, you've got a series of, of parameters that you're passing through. And one of those parameters has the, um, the, what am I thinking? The, the, the comma, um, and your variable of your parameter is very close to that. You know, you haven't left the space, you know, it can, it can fix that manually. It, oh, sorry, automatically. Um, another one that I usually find that I do quite often is, um, if statements. So what I do is, is in the, um, in the braces, I don't leave like, uh, a space in between the braces. There are some people who like to do that. And there are some projects that require that. Um, and you basically, this prevents the an annoyance of, from other team members who are trying to read your code and look at your code. And also another thing that this sorts out is the whole tabs versus spaces, <laughs> Because you can use, um, you can use PHP check style. Um, you can even do it through linting perhaps to ensure that you, that your team is running consistently using either tabs or either spaces that is checked <laughs> and flagged if there is an error. Um, okay. Number three. So now we're going up the, up the, uh, up the, up the road, I suppose. Um, you know, the complexity. <laughs> and that is mess detection, uh, PHPMD. Um, this is so, so, so good. PHPMD, um, is one of the, I think one of the most underused, um, tools, I think it is a way of tracking possible bugs, um, over complicated expressions, unused and dead code. So any code that is, is not used, this will flag up, which is great. So if you're, if you're looking for a way to reduce the amount of code, if you've put in some dummy code, if you've put in any stub code, this will hunt that down and it'll, it will, it'll tell you where it is so you can remove it, which means that you're only putting in code, which does something, which is great. Um, so you're getting rid of any dead wood, essentially. Um, we'll talk about suboptimal and uh, overcomplicated expressions in just a minute. It is configurable, uh, configurable by rules. Let me take a swig of my beer. So, um, when you're, you can configure it to say, you know, my variable names need to be at least three characters long. My method names cannot be over a certain amount of characters. My number of arguments per method can, cannot um, be more than, say, five. You can get really, really tight with this and really sort of microscopic as to the rules that you put in PHPMD. And it will just make sure that your team is is um, running code 
that is consistent. And this is the, this is the, I suppose this is the theme It's consistency. Having these tools keeps consistency. Um, so you can read your code in the same way as you're reading someone else's code on your team, you know? Um, and the, the, the other thing that it really does well is cyclomatic complexity. Now we'll talk about cyclomatic complexity. Um, that's a, that, this is a topic in itself. <laughs> so, okay. So cyclomatic complexity, uh, how do I explain what that is? Um, hmm. <laughs> so cyclomatic complexity is the amount of decision points made in a particular class or method. The higher the complexity, um, the, the, the more things that your, your method needs to do, right? Or the more, or what I should say is the more things that your method does is the higher the complexity points of cyclomatic complexity. Um, and you'll, you'll, you'll see this if you, if you ever use like a God class, so a class that just does everything and doesn't have any kind of single purpose, it's just does everything, right? You'll find that that has a very high cyclomatic complexity, um, because there's so many different decision points that the code can potentially go through. Um, if you've got a method with many, many, if else, if else, else, if, you know, in a switch, then in a for loop, then also in a for each loop, all of those, they're decision points. They are things that the code needs to go through in order to actually come out with the, the output. I've mentioned before on this podcast, IPO, I, yeah, IPO, input process output. So you're inputting something into a method. That method is then processing those things that you've put into it. And then it's returning a single output, right? So it's, it is, it's the process. It's looking at the process. So PHPMD can not only look at the, the, uh, the amount of arguments that you're passing in, you know, the, 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 the length of things, like the length of variable names, but it, it can also look at the complexity of things, which is so, so useful. And this is, this has hit me a couple of times where, um, my, I, I've got several classes, sorry, several methods in a class because each one of those is an extra point. Um, and, uh, I've had to use, as Bernard's just mentioned here, I've just quickly remembered, I've had to use some traits in order to group certain methods together that have the same context. This gives me the opportunity to do a bit of, um, light refactoring. But let's talk a little bit, dive more into cyclomatic complexity, because this is a huge topic, a you know, a huge, huge topic. Um, and essentially what PHPMD does is it gives you a score. And I think the default is 50, or at least the default is on how to code well is 50. So if it does more than 50 things in your method, then, well, it's not as simple as saying 50 things, because then you've got the end path. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. But essentially, if you've got, if your complexity of a single, of something is over 50, then you need to look at that and see if there's any way you can split that code out. Usually it identifies, um, code that doesn't meet a single responsibility, um, which needs to be refactored. So anything, um, in my case, I've, I've put it down to 50. If anything is higher than 50, then I really need to, it needs to be tightened up. It needs to be refactored and put into different classes or, you know, split the methods out 
that kind of thing. Um, so cyclomatic complexity is a simple measure of complexity in an ex- application or run uh, routine. It measures the paths through the code. Cyclomatic complexity is never less than one because there's, there'll always be at least one code path. Now, I don't want to get into too much of a talk with cyclomatic complexity because I can get into, you know, this is going to, this will just be a talk on cyclomatic complexity. I am reading a very good blog article by Brandon Savage. I will put this in the code notes when I'm, when I've finished, um, today's podcast. This is a really, really good, this, this, uh, opened my eyes on what cyclomatic complexity is. And also, um, Brandon's done a really good job of, um, of, uh, differ, I can't say the word, differentiating, <laughs> saying the difference between cyclomatic complexity and end path. Um, so th- he's also got some very good examples in here as well. Um, so there, he, he goes on and says, there's another me- measure, which is known as end path complexity. Uh, this measure of complexity, um, is measured slightly differently than cyclomatic complexity. Cyclomatic complexity, this is the, this is the gold here. Cyclomatic complexity measures the decision points in a route, in a routine. So the decision points, whereas end path, um, sorry, where am I? <laughs> where am I on this? Um, whereas end path complexity measures all of the possible code paths. So that's a very different. That's a very different way of looking at it. Um, more often than not, end path complexity is higher than cyclomatic complexity. Cyclomatic complexity is looking for decision points, whereas end path is, uh, looking at com- uh, all the possible code paths. If you, if you t- took a, a method that had a bunch of if statements and you just thought about, you know, what happens if I put this, change this variable that, you know, this argument from, from one value to another value, how is that going to change the, the code? What are the paths in which that, that has to make? And then if you could number those, um, and say, you know, it went here, that's one, it went there, it's two, because that's, that variable is X, Y, Z, it's now going into here, that's three, and then it returns this, that's four. If you do that as a, as a sort of a little experiment, and then run PHP mess detection, and discover what actually it is, then you'll probably find, as I've done before, that your, your code is actually doing a lot more than you actually think. (laughs) So yeah, this is good. This, um, the, so the, the lower this, these numbers, the, the cleaner the code, in my opinion, because you are enforcing the rule that you have a single responsibility or you're, you're, you're ensuring that the responsibility is lower than what, what it currently is, um, of stuff. But um, we're, we're moving away from the actual, <laughs> some of the tooling here, because we spent a lot on, P- on PHPMD, but use it. Use PHPMD. It's brilliant. It really is. And learn to configure it. It's fantastic. Uh, you know, if, if someone on your team has got variable N is equal to something else or variable A is equal to something else, you know, use PHPMD and enforce a rule to say, no, variables need to be at least three characters long. <laughs> and then you'll find that your code actually starts being quite meaningful. <laughs> anyway, moving on to number th- um, number four. Now we can't talk about tooling in the pipeline without actually talking about testing, 
right? So PHP unit is testing code, right? So you, you, you write unit tests to test your code. Now I mentioned, I think it was in the last episode that I'm doing a lot more testing these days than I've, than, than I've ever done really. It's still not where it should be. And my TDD is not where it should be, but I'm trying, I am trying to write tests as often as I possibly can do. It's very difficult when you're working on legacy code because you're working on code that someone else has written. Um, and if there's no tests to back those up, then it can get a bit sort of tricky because you're like, do I test that? Do I test this? Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, this, this PHP unit is a, is a means of running a test suite. And at, because, because your pipeline, you want to be, you want to have your pipeline nice and quick. You want to be focusing on unit tests over things like, um, acceptance tests or even, uh, integration tests, because those things can take a long time. They are very valid and they definitely need to use them. But, um, in my experience, it's best to have a separate pipeline that gets ran on perhaps a cron job or something that is triggered when you're actually deploying to production to do more of those types of tests compared to then just a unit test on a, you know, when you've, you're merging a, a feature branch into say a staging for it to be ready to be pushed up to staging for a QA engineer to have a look. That's less of a risk than doing from staging to production, right? <laughs> So you obviously want to tailor your pipelines for the context in which they're being used. And um, PHP unit is great because you can focus on unit tests. And with a unit test, you're, you're, you are focusing on a single unit of work, you know, a unit that you're testing. So they are super quick. In fact, if you've got a unit test that takes, if you've got a single unit test that takes longer than a second, then you really need to look at your, <laughs> your unit tests. Um, usually they are pretty instant. Um, and, th- and lastly, the next one, next one, and this is probably, I would probably do this before doing the unit tests, actually. Um, I would probably, if I was to do this in any order, I would do PHP lint, then CS, then MD, and then this one, and then the unit tests. This one is PHP stand. This is static analysis. Now you could use other things. You don't have to use PHP stand. Um, I've only, I've just picked it here because I use it. Um, but it could, you could have any kind of static analysis tool, um, say fan, uh, PASM, is it FASM, PASM? I can never pronounce that. Um, or PHP stand. Essentially what this is doing is it's analyzing your code in a static manner, which means that it's, um, it's testing your code without actually running your code. Again, this is super quick because of that. And also I can't vouch for, um, the other tools, but I certainly can talk about PHP stand because I use it every day. Um, PHP stand has a series of levels. So you can set your levels. I believe it's from like zero to, I think it's seven, I believe, or is it eight? Anyway, the higher the levels, the more, um, intensity it, 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 uh, analyzes your code and it checks for things like obviously silly mistakes, right? But, um, it checks for things like, um, uh, data, um, data types. So if you're passing an array, um, instead of an object that has been typed, then it's going to throw an error, 
right? So that's not a check for, say, um, a PHP linter or anything like that. This is checking the types. Um, this is also checking things like um, if you're casting things to another thing or if you're checking for, say, a value that is always going to be either true then that'll th- or false that will throw an error if you're if you're try if you if you assume it's going to do something else if your code is assuming it's going to do something else it's it's very it's a very good tool um and it gives a very nice output as well it's got a nice green bar when it goes green and then what it does is it lists all the code that is wrong with line numbers which is super helpful um and yeah i would probably run that before I run PHP unit. So I would probably do PHP unit at the end because that is kind of like, okay, it's past the linter, it's past the check styles, it's past um, PHP MD, it's now past static analysis. Let's now test it. Um, and uh, that's probably, uh, or I tell you what, I tell you what would be a very good experiment is if you use PHP unit right at the start. So if you use PHP unit and all of the unit tests passed and then you, and then it got to PHP stand and it failed. That means that you're missing a test. (laughs) Um, So that, that would be an interesting exercise. One thing I've done with PHP stand, which is super helpful with legacy code. If you've got a massive, I mean, I remember um, uh, a few years back, well, longer than a few years back, I was working on a piece of code that was ancient, 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 we're talking about, uh, we're talking about code that was littered with, um, SQL, JavaScript, and PHP all in one file. There was classes, there were arrays, there were all sorts of stuff. You had files that were over several thousands of lines of code, you know, four, five, seven thousand, six thousand lines of code, um, in the, in the, in this stuff. And this project was ginormous. Now running PHP down on level eight, you know, or level seven or whatever the maximum is, um, returned, I kid you not, thousands upon thousands of errors. Now that's all well and good, right? And it took a long time to process. <laughs> that's all well and good. Um, but it's a very overwhelming. So what you can do with PHP Stan is, is reduce the amount of levels that it, the level in which it's checking. So what we did is we ran it on the very first level and it, it uh, picked up, you know, several hundred errors and then we fixed those and then we moved that up to level two and then we, you know, um, found, uh, basically we do, we were doing it in bands. So we were banding the errors and we were incorporating the fixes into the actual project. So we didn't have to go, okay, we're going to fix every single error today, <laughs> starting from top down. The thing is with the legacy project that we were working on, we didn't really know the ins and outs of the project, you know, cause it, we were just, we just, um, were given it. So it, it was a way for us to not only fix the issues, but also discover issues and audit the code. And then we got a, we got an idea as to the, the, the complexity, the scale of, of the code base. So these tools are great because, um, they will, they're, they're like little, little other developers, just, you know, making sure that every, all the, all the ducks are in the row or your, um, teaser crossed and your eyes are dotted. <laughs> now I did mention at the start of this about how to run these, um, 
you know, outside of a pipeline. You don't need to have a pipeline for this. You can use your, you could create your own little scripts. So uh, a thing that I've done uh, and used before, which is really, really, I really recommend this to anybody, any programmer doing any kind of language stuff, um, you know, JavaScript, PHP, Python, uh, learn if your system can handle make files, if you're using like a Mac or I don't thing is, I don't know if you can do this on windows, but on a Mac or, or a Linux box, if you can, if you can run make, then, um, create a make file and have a command in there called, I don't know, make pipeline or make tests or make test or, um, make checks or something like that. So the command would be test or check or whatever, and it would run, it would, it, it would run each one of these things now, um, in a, in a, in a, in a string, in, in sort of a, a single pass. What I would also do in that make file is I would have separate commands for each one. So you would have a separate command for PHP unit. You could call that make, you could call that test unit. You could have one for mess detection. You could be, you could call that mess. Um, and, uh, check styles. So CS, another one for, um, stan, PHP stan. So static analysis. And then in your, in, in a single command in the make file, you would just have make tests, which would, would then just run this whole thing. Now I find this super useful whenever I'm going to the loo or if I, if I make a drink, go downstairs and make, make a coffee, I will just run this single command, whether it's make tests or make checks or whatever. So let's say I wanted to, I had this command called make check. Um, I would just run make check and then I would go off, do my thing and come back. And I literally run this command. This is the most used command that I use every day. Um, I use it before I commit. I use it before I merge. I use it, you know, before I go to lunch. (laughs) And the idea is that um, you want to be working with these tools rather than against these tools. So any kind of opportunity where you are not actually coding, maybe you're just thinking about the code, run these checks. Even if you think that you haven't actually broken anything, the amount of times I think I get so cocky, I'm like, oh yeah, no, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. The amount of times I, 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 uh, think it's going to be fine. And then I run this and I find that I've actually broken something or one of my unit tests have failed or, um, the, the, I've put in, um, a curly bracket in the wrong place or I've left off a semicolon somewhere. Um, and then I come back from say, I don't know, lunch or mowing the lawn or doing the washing and, before and and then I just come back to a report of things that I need to fix. Um, so when I'm not actually working, my application is working. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the point I'm trying to make here. So make get these tools working with you rather than against you. Uh, these this isn't something that you want to just run right at the last minute. You know, oh, I've done, I've I've created a thousand line lines of code and. Um, I haven't ran this once, so I'm going to run this right now. <laughs> You're going to have some errors. So this, you want to see, treat this like a quick feedback, feedback loop. Whenever you have the opportunity, just run this, just run this. So yeah, my last, my last sort of final tip here is to do all this in a make file. So yeah, that they are the top five, um, tools that I think every, every PHP developer should have. So I'll just run through them quickly. PHP Lint, PHP CS, PHP MD. 
PHP Stan and PHP Unit. And finally, number six is learn make files. Um, and something that has been really useful is calling a make file again, which is so, f- <laughs> so what we've got with that, with, uh, with how to code well is we have Ansible, Terraform, and obviously the project. Ansible is in its own little directory. Terraform is in its own little directory. Each one of those has its own make file and there is a make file in the root of the project. <laughs> so what you can do with a make file is you can, you can do CD into another directory and then call make again and call another method. And after the, or, or another command, um, of that directory. And then once that's done, your terminal is still where it was on the root directory. It's great. It's so great. So I have commands that are specific to Ansible and specific to Terraform, and I can group those together in my root using, um, you say, you know, uh, think of one that, um, okay, uh, one that I use, one, one that I recently created is make beta deploy, right? So I, I run make and then I pass in, the command, which is beta deploy. And that is then going to do a CD into Terraform. Ter- and then it's going to run the beta deploy in Terraform. That is going to, uh, deploy the servers. So that will communicate to the, to the VPS hosting provider, the cloud pl- platform, and then, um, with some keys and whatnot, and then spin up the VPSs. Once all of that is done, it will then run from the root. It will then run another command which is B to deploy, but in my Ansible folder. <laughs> um, and that's going to configure all the servers. And I've just, all I've done is run, ran, um, make B to deploy. And I suddenly have, well, I don't suddenly, it takes about 10 minutes for these VPSs and everything to be installed and the database to be ported over and, and all that stuff. Um, and then once that's done, I'm, I, I'm good. It's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's so cool. And then I've got one called make destroy, make beta destroy, which, um, basically does that, but in reverse, it destroys the, it destroys the VPSs. So, um, that's how I'm kind of thinking that we're going to use the beta site as a sort of, um, a disposable VPS or series of VPSs, um, sort of, cause at the moment, I, I know we're moving away from the talk, but at the moment, the, um, the VPSs for the beta site, they're constantly on. And I don't like that. Um, they're, they're costing me money for a start. So this di- di- disposable, uh, script that I've got make beta dis- deploy and make beta destroy, um, will create the VPSs, run the, run the pipeline. It takes the, it takes the latest, uh, Docker image, that's from the GitHub Actions pipeline um, that has been deployed. And then it puts that onto the site. It runs the containers and then it spins up the VPS for the database and then imports the latest backup. And then away, away we go off to the races. And then beta des- destroy um, backs up the database, encrypts it, then destroys and stores that somewhere and then destroys the VPSs. So it's a very sort of like, um, it's a very, disposable way of creating a staging environment just quickly, uh, which is something that I might be doing later, um, in a, in a live stream on Twitch. Ha. Ah, so yeah, I hope, um, I hope all that made some form of sense. Uh, I didn't babble on too much, uh, with 
certain uh, certain things. I probably spoke a bit too much about mess detection, but you know these kind of things. I love these tools. These are great. I love these tools. Before I go, I just want to say that um, we do have a um, uh, code challenge review this Sunday, um, and this is going to be live on Twitch. So this time round, it's a very different uh, challenge, shall we say, to the other ones, because the other challenges have been like JavaScript challenges where we are creating perhaps games in JavaScript, or there was a regex challenge and there was a series of Python challenges. This one is about a PHP OOP quiz. Now this one is tailored towards maybe um, interview, sort of interview style questions. Think of it like a pub quiz, but, um, for, uh, for PHP object orientation. Let me take a swig of my beer and then we'll talk about it. Mm. So, um, the website is codechallenges.howtocodewell.net. This is a Gatsby site. I will put it in the show note, in, in the show notes and the chat. Um, test your PHP OOP knowledge with these interview style questions. Some questions require a yes or a no, and others require a code example. Please use Markdown to write your answers and read the code submission details. Your code will be reviewed on, on Twitch on the 28th of March, which is this Sunday. Okay. So there's 10 questions here. I'm going to go through them now on the podcast, um, and uh, and then I should say, I suppose, for anyone listening to this on the podcast, because this will be out next week, <laughs> this would have already happened. All right. But you can still, if you wanted to, uh, level up your PHP knowledge um, uh, with these questions. So question number one is, is multiple inheritance supported in PHP? Yes or no. Question two, explain the difference between a class and an object. Question three, demonstrate the singleton pattern. So this question is, is, um, so I suppose I should have said right at the start of this, um, you need to have a make, uh, um, uh, a Git repository, GitHub repository and use Markdown as a means of, of, of writing these answers. So question three, demonstrate the singleton pattern would be to create some code and then format that in Markdown. Um, question number four is explain why the singleton pattern is sometimes considered an anti-pattern. Question five, explain what an abstract class does. Question number six is can an abstract class extend another abstract class? Yes or no. Question number seven is, can a PHP interface extend another PHP interface? Yes or no. And question eight, how many interfaces can a PHP class implement? <laughs> number nine, explain when you would use, uh, I've, I've just noticed a spelling mistake. Explain when you would use a interface instead of an abstract class. Okay. So. Uh, what is the difference of, you know, abstract and interfaces and when would you use an interface instead of an abstract class? The last question, number 10, is a code example. So explain the output of the following code. Now, if you've done these, you'll know that I like trick questions. So um, what I'll do is I'll just explain this. I'll just talk about the code. So it's a final base, it's a final class um, and it's called base class. Now, this base class has a public function called test. And this test method, I should say it's a method, not a function. This public method, which is test, returns a string 
which is base class test called. Okay, pretty pretty straightforward. There is a child class which extends the base class. Now, this is an em- empty class. It doesn't have a constructor or it doesn't have anything. It's just a class and it just extends the base class. Okay, now in the global scope, what we're doing here is we've got a, a variable called obj and we're equaling this to a new, or I should say we're assigning the value of the variable to a new instantiation of the child class. Remember, the child class extends the final base class. Final base class. <laughs> okay, so we have another variable under this called output, and we're equaling that to obj arrow test. So we are calling the public function, sorry, public method test of the final base class via the child class. And we are then echoing out output. So output is the, um, output is the return value of that test method. And we're echoing it, that out. The question is to explain the output of that code. Why has that happened? Explain. <laughs> Ah, it's uh, these, these are these are fun little challenges. I think the, um, a couple of these have been asked to me by uh, when I have interviews. So when I do, not when I conduct interviews, when I go for an interview, uh, one that always gets well normally gets mentioned is around the singleton pattern. So when would you use it? When wouldn't you use it? Why is it considered an anti-pattern? That kind of thing. So ten questions. Now look, you don't have to do all of them. I don't. I, you know, there's no pass or fail here. There's no. There's no. Um, nobody's going to. Uh, no, nobody's going to put anybody down for getting any of this wrong. It is very relaxed and chilled out. Um, I will be doing it live on Twitch, and it would be great if I had um, a couple of uh, submissions. That would be awesome to go through and then see how people think. You know, process these kind of questions differently. Um, this is something that I've learned with these challenges is that, um, my way of thinking about code and developing code is very different, very different from other people's code. And you don't necessarily always think, you, you don't always see that. You don't always see that because you always, well, sometimes, at least with me, I, I see that there is perhaps only one way of doing things because that is just the way I'm thinking of doing it. I can't think of another solution until I actually take a step back and think about another way to approach the problem. Um, but when you're really in the zone and working in code, it's like, this is this single solution. This is what I'm trying to achieve here. Whereas these challenges has shown me that, um, that a lot of people will ch- tackle things very differently, especially when we were doing the JavaScript games, because people were um, it was a, it was quite a visual thing. So people were interpreting, interpreting, that is a word, interpreting, interpreting. They were interpreting my, um, my, I guess my spec in different ways, which is great. So yeah, anyway, to, to do this, I, I should have said this all at the start to do this, um, join our discord server at howtocodewell.net forward slash discord. And, um, there is a coding challenges channel. <laughs> Say that after a couple more swigs of beer. Coding challenges channel in there. And if you submit your, if you, if you post a link to your GitHub repository, then that is what I'll use 
um, and look at live on Twitch this Sunday. And it's at 14.30 GMT, which is half past two in the afternoon here in the UK. And uh, yeah, I really do. I'm up for this. I, I look forward to this. This is this is going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. And perhaps if this um, if this does well, then maybe we'll do this, a similar thing for different languages like JavaScript. Like um, I don't know, ten questions to do with JavaScript, to do with I don't know JavaScript modules, or even a particular framework in JavaScript like Vue.js or React or something, or even just you know ten differences between PHP and Python those kind of things. I don't know. It'll be interesting. Anyway, thank you ever so much for uh, joining today. I'm just double checking the uh, uh, questions. Yes, Bernard is saying, do I have any courses related to a setup of a Mac? I don't, unfortunately. No, I don't, unfortunately. That is something that is, hmm, that's actually quite an interesting suggestion. Do you have any, do you have any courses related to setup of a Mac? You know what? This is because one of the challenges I, I, yeah, one of the challenges I see as de- as a developer, especially junior developers, well, any developer, to be honest, as soon as they start getting a, when they get a job, they need to set up their development machine. And there are many different ways of doing that. And most of which are dictated, obviously, by the company that they were working for. So that, you know, some companies may require you to use, if you're a PHP developer, a Vagrant over Docker or both, or a VM, or, you know, need to have certain tooling. Perhaps um, you need to set up your your shell, your terminal in a different way. You know, I use Zed Shell uh, and I've configured it um okay over the years but i haven't done a course to actually show how to set up a a machine ready for programming that is i'm going to write that down i am writing that down right now bear with me a minute uh let me i'll tell you what instead of writing it i'll just copy your there we go i so i've put that in my suggestions pot yeah i've put that in my suggestions pot so create a course for um, setting up a machine. That would be great. I guess it doesn't have to be a Mac. It could be Linux. Um, I don't have any suggestions, unfortunately. Sorry. (laughs) Right. Thank you ever so much for uh, listening on the podcasts. This will be out next week. Um, And tomorrow there'll be last week's out. Um, That's the way I'm rolling at the moment. So sort of a week in lieu. And then, uh, yeah, that will be episode 95 next week. Blimey, we are very close to 100. That's uh, crazy, isn't it? (laughs) But if you, in the meantime, if you've got any questions, though, let me know on Discord. That'd be great. Uh, But thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everybody. And um, have a great, great weekend. Take care. See you soon. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.